Welcome to the Back Pain Podcast with Rob and Dave, the only show geared specifically to help educate you about your back pain. We talk to the experts to bust the myths, break down the science, and give you all the top tips for living pain-free. So if you're driving to work, tidy in the house, or even laid up at home in pain, we have something for everyone. Hello, podcast friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Back Pain Podcast. Today, we take an in-depth look at CrossFit. CrossFit has always had a mixed bag of reviews amongst healthcare professionals and personal trainers alike. Some hate the very idea and concept of CrossFit, and they say it's very injury-prone and has lots of issues. Others are huge advocates and speak very highly of it. So today, we try to set the record straight. We had a chat with Rob Crowley. Rob is a chiropractor an exercise physiologist, a CrossFit coach, a weightlifting coach, as well as a very good master's level athlete. We talk about how common CrossFit injuries are when compared across all sports. Is CrossFit good for people who have back pain? What you can look for in a good CrossFit gym and how coaches can help to reduce the chance of an injury in their gym. So wherever you are listening, we hope you enjoy it. If you do enjoy these podcast episodes and want to support the podcast, you can by simply sharing this episode with a friend, hitting subscribe if you don't already, or by leaving us a lovely review on iTunes, it would mean the absolute world to us. Take it away. And we're live. Welcome to the Back Pain Podcast. Hello, Rob and Dave. So today we have a very special guest. Hi, guys. We have a very special guest, uh, Dr. Rob Crowley. Rob is a chiropractor, exercise physiologist, and crossfitter and crossfit coach. Welcome to the podcast, Rob. Hi there, Rob. Yeah, great to be here. Tell us a little bit about yourself and about how you got into CrossFit, about how you got into training as a chiropractor. Yeah, so where it started was um, uh, my initial background, is, at least fitness-wise, was uh, in bodybuilding. Um, and through bodybuilding, I got involved as a personal trainer. This was early 90s in, in the U.S. when sort of personal training was starting out as, as a, a career, as a profession. Um, through being a personal trainer and being involved in bodybuilding, I got exposed to chiropractic from uh, not only my own injuries, but injuries that uh, my uh, clients has uh, suffered with. Um, and I got introduced to a uh, chiropractor and um, started um, started as a patient. And then he asked me what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. And I knew I didn't want to be a personal trainer just because the hours were really bad. Um, and, you know, I had to work early mornings and, uh, and uh, late at night. So um, I decided to go and get my degree. I got my degree in exercise physiology from University of Illinois at Chicago. And um, my chiropractor had arranged an appointment at National College of Chiropractic just to have a look around and everything. So he took me around on campus. And at that point, I think it was about 95, 96, somewhere in there, I decided I wanted to be a chiropractor. Um, finished my degree at uh, UIC. Um, and in 90, what, autumn of 99, I started uh, my first try at uh, National College of Chiropractic. Um, from there, um, I graduated in 2000, late 2002, started practicing in the U.S. Um, I practiced at a uh, multidisciplinary clinic. Um, uh, for a number of years, and then eventually made it over to the decided to come over to the UK and practice. Um, and it was here in the UK that I discovered uh, a CrossFit. And this was around. I didn't start CrossFit until 2013, but I learned about it in about 2012 just from uh, reading. Um, what was I reading at the time? Rob Wolf's Paleo Solution. He had mentioned it, and I stumbled upon 
crossfit.com. And then at the time, there wasn't a CrossFit gym in, in Narch. Um, so I waited for one to open up. And uh, yeah, and I've just been doing it ever since. In 2015, I opened up inside uh, CrossFit Gain in Narch, uh, which is now called Gain Fitness. Um, and it's one of the largest uh, CrossFit gyms uh, in America. Or sorry, it's the wrong country, the United <laughs> Kingdom. Uh, uh, sorry about that. Um, and yeah, just started treating CrossFit athletes. And in 2014, I uh, I worked at, at CrossFit Regionals uh, for four years in Copenhagen, was in Copenhagen and two years in Madrid. And the last three years I was there, uh, I was the clinical lead for athlete services where we treated uh, the athletes through the course of the weekend, um, which was a very... Uh, uh, it was an eye-opening experience just to see what they go through in a three-day event, which is only probably about half as long as the regular CrossFit Games, but it's just amazingly grueling and what's required in terms of maintaining them weekend and treating injuries and seeing what types of even traumatic injuries that happen uh, uh, during an event like that uh, was was uh, quite a learning experience uh, for me. I'll bet. Um, uh... Rob, do you see day-to-day patients? Uh, it's it's definitely brutal. As well, sort of uh, everyday people off the street, or are you solely um, uh, athlete-based? I'm actually uh, about okay. 50-50. Um, so I see my patients off the street, um, and I have my patients in the gym. Um, and it is is two different um, uh, populations, uh, generally. CrossFit, uh, especially elite uh, advanced CrossFitters have, uh, actually be- beginning CrossFitters and elite CrossFitters, their needs are, are, are different, but then the general public is different as well. Um, I actually, uh, in some ways prefer to, uh, treat the, uh, average, uh, uh person mm-hmm. off the street, um, um, for, for a variety of reasons. Um, and at the same time, I do like treating athletes as well, but it's, it's, it's a good, it's a good mix for me. Um, I mean, what, what I try to do, at least with the um, uh, average uh, chiropractic patient you see, is I, I try to bring in the whole uh, fitness in, in, into the treatment um, because I, I feel that, that load and exercise and variety of movement is really important in order to um, decreasing back pain, shoulder pain, you know, neck pain, et cetera, and just, just being healthy uh, in general. Um, so I, I probably see about, about 50-50. Um, both athletes clinic. Yeah. Amazing. So obviously, you know, to, as a bit of background to this, I've been in CrossFit for, for a very long time. I know Dave as well has also been in CrossFit for a very long time. Um, but a lot of people out there may be familiar with CrossFit, but also a lot of people have probably have no idea what we are talking about. So can you give a little bit of background about what CrossFit, what, what CrossFit training actually is or what the principles of CrossFit are and kind of, you know, for, for, the, for, for the lay person well, who's never well, heard CrossFit of it? Well, CrossFit is designed, at least the, the, the definition is, uh, uh, constantly varied functional activity performed at high intensity across broad times and, and old domains. What, what, what that means is it, it's just a mixture of, of a lot of things, uh, everything from weightlifting, power lifts, uh, power lifts or squats, deadlifts, bench press, etc. Um, Olympic lifting, snatch, uh, clean and jerk, gymnastic elements, thing, body weight elements, things like uh, everything from press ups to pull ups to dips to handstand press ups, um, plyometric type things like uh, skipping, uh, box jumps, burpees. Um, could be dumbbell movements, could be kettlebell movements. It, it involves running, rowing. Um, 
uh, stationary cycling, uh, and so on. It could be pretty much anything. And this is constantly varied, um, and it's performed in, in, in different uh, lengths of, of time. It could be something as short as two to three minutes, something as long as 30 to 40 minutes. Um, but it's the whole idea is to keep the body guessing, um, training uh, it in you know, different durations, different intensities, uh, and so on. And the goal is to, to, to complete the maximum amount of work in, in the shortest period of time. Um, I, I feel that CrossFit as a methodology by itself is, is, is quite effective in terms of you're there for an hour. A typical class is, uh, is structured in a way where you're doing 10 minutes of uh, mobility, uh, dynamic warm-up work. There might be some strength work or skill work. So the strength work might be back squats or might be deadlifts or it might be an Olympic lift, or it may be, uh, you know, working on building up to be able to do a pull-up or, um, or handstand press up or handstand or, you know, something like that. Um, and, but it's highly scalable, no matter what your, uh, your fitness level is at. And then it usually finishes with some type of what they call the wad of the day, the workout of the day, which is, is called the wad, um, where you will do this, uh, you know, particular task or try to complete as many rounds as possible in that period of time. But it, it's done in a small group environment, so you have the support of everybody in the group. And you might have somebody who's a very fit person in the group to somebody who's starting out. I remember when I started out, and I was quite excited the first time I was the la- I wasn't last on the leaderboard. Um, so there's the competitive element of it, the coach there, and I think that's the uh, biggest thing is it's being coached. It's going to be uh, in a safe environment and scale toward you. So it's that, um, I suppose, what, yeah, when you've lost that structure of arm, well, let's, let's say it's chest Monday, Rob, that's the rules, isn't it? Uh, so chest Monday, back Tuesday, legs Wednesday. And so we've got these, um, uh, we've got these set out days when we lose that, the ability to then overtrain, to, to overdo is greatly increased. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, there was um, a coach that I, uh, uh, he's coached a few of the top athletes and I had been to one of his seminars it was a master seminar. Since I'm a master's athlete, I was, uh, you know, always concerned with the load I was under. And he always said, don't do two wad, don't do wads or metabolic conditioning two days in a row. He said, because then you start getting in that, you know, where you get fatigued, that load becomes too much and unable to recover. And then you either end up burnt out or you end up hurt or you end up ill. Um, I definitely agree uh, in terms of any type of exercise or any type of, you know, whether it's marathon running or weightlifting or, um, you know, whatever, I think your body eventually gets what it needs. And sometimes um, it gets what it needs by, you know, becoming injured or, um, or getting, you know, you know, becoming poorly, you know, mm. f- from it as well. Um, but, but I mean, what, what attracted me to CrossFit was I was in the gym for, well, it was about probably about, 25 years or so and just doing bodybuilding stuff and I got bored with it and it was nice to go to a gym and have a coach there um, and I didn't have to worry about what to do um, and it was something totally new and alien for me and it was fun but then also you have have the group um, and I think the social element you know makes it um, uh, you know even better because you're sharing the same experience uh, with other people in the room. You're encouraging people. You're being held accountable. 
you know, to the other people. Um, so I think that the social element, I think, is uh, uh, mm-hmm. quite huge. And that's something in these courses and the life in the, uh, uh, this time of COVID is one of the biggest things I've missed was that, you know, day-to-day interaction with the members and things. I mean, normally in a gym, most people go in, have their headphones on and keep their head down and CrossFit, you know, there's, you know, there's no headphones and you're just in, uh, you know, group from 10 to 15 people and, you know, experiencing the same thing. That's probably the social element that, that I feel that at least that I'm missing the most, I bet. Uh, you know, yeah. during this, you know, weird yeah, no time. headphones, no mirrors, no posing. It's, a, it's <laughs> for the regular gym goer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It can be strange. Now, now Rob, if I can, if I can address, um, if you've heard of CrossFit, but they have uh, fully heard of CrossFit, they might have heard, um, uh, often it gets addressed as fairly cultish. This, I think this is erroneous, this isn't correct, but there yeah. is that kind of um, uh, misconception. And I think it is the the attitude and the accountability and that group element to it, which provides that, and it can be a little bit culty in a good way, um, yeah, <clears throat> but it is this yeah. mass group, you know, you're all going through something, I mean, we've just gone past May, so it would have been Murph time. If you, if you go through these yeah. workouts and literally, together you're side by side you're counting it off each other's reps um there is no cheating because the person opposite you is doing the same yeah. and you do form that kind of bond within the gym and that that's what i think people have misconceived and and um oversimplified and said oh it's, it's very culty you know uh, uh, but actually it means you, you do form these these intense friendships and um do with each other i think that's awesome yeah, I mean, I think I think the whole cult aspect. I think I have noticed it less mm. um, the longer I've been involved in it. I mean, when I definitely when I first started, it was a it was a much smaller gym. I started out CrossFit, no, it was literally three hundred square feet, and it was a little bit probably a little bit cultish then and uh, territorial and everything. And you know, we went through the whole thing when um, when my mate opened up CrossFit Gain, where you know there was some negativity toward that and he initially we were a smaller box then but then since we've become a larger box um and you know over 300 members uh it's it's become less of that sort of uh emotionally enmeshed and there's smaller groups developed within that and and it's not as it's a little bit more of a larger facility so you know you you don't necessarily know everybody but it's you know it's 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 CrossFit has changed. Uh, sometimes the, the small boxes, uh, uh, you know, the chalk and sawdust doesn't uh, necessarily work mm-hmm. anymore. And, and people are, you know, look for, you know, now they're looking for changing room and showers and things like that. Um, it's become a little bit less uh, cultish. Um, but CrossFit as itself, like what, what I've seen, you know, working at regionals for a number of years, initially it was, you know, more of a grassroots operation. And over the years, I had noticed that it had become a little bit more corporate a, a, as it went on. Um, and uh, it was a little bit different, a little bit more rules, it was a little bit less casual and, and, and things like that. Um, but I think the evolution of, mm-hmm. of, of the business uh, in, in general. Um, but, and initially, at least in this country, the, fir- the people who first started in CrossFit were involved with other sports and things, and they're more athletic. And now we're starting to see a little bit more of the average population being exposed to CrossFit, which has some unique challenges in terms of, since it's an average person who may have never been a member of a gym or maybe not have been athletic throughout their life, they're going to have some unique challenges in terms of their mobility and their their what they're able to uh, 
accomplish or be able to perform, especially uh, early on. So I think the coaches over time have had to become better teachers um, and learn, you know, more regressions, learn more uh, scaling options, mm. uh, you know, f- you know, f- for the members, and um, and injuries, you know, having. Uh, are, are sometimes a little bit different in a new member versus somebody who's been an athlete their whole life or somebody who's been doing CrossFit for a long period of time. Absolutely. And I think the, the, the ability to coach these very complex compound movements, I mean, coaching points on a snatch are relatively endless. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so uh, for, uh, for those of you who, who don't know, it's a very fast lift from ground to above head. Um, probably the easiest way of putting it. Um, the, the possible millimeter by millimeter coaching points are literally endless. Mm-hmm. You know, people um, are consistently pushing forward to those compared to something like uh, a, a, I don't know, um, uh, your basic bench press or a bicep curl. Uh, although there are improvement points, actually, there's only really so many. Um, and I think the, the upgrading of the coach's knowledge and their approach, hopefully you will then see Rob as someone who's on the other end of that as uh, someone who's treating those athletes. Have you noticed a difference then in the, mm-hmm. in the prevalence of injury of, of people coming through or perhaps a, a different type as that's changed? Um, a different type of, I mean, a- if there's somebody who's a beginner who's never touched a barbell um, and the biggest thing I see as a contributor to injuries is, um, is one load um, people wanting to put too much load too quickly, which is true with anything. It's just somebody who's running a marathon and they're running their first marathon and they put their miles on too quickly. Same thing happens when you put too much weight on the bar. Um, One thing um, that I feel is really important with learning Olympic lifting is understanding the lift and understanding the stages of the lift. Sometimes things are overcomplicated. Sometimes um, some coaches have a tendency to give too many cues at, at uh, one given time and not concentrating on one stage of the lift and so on. One person that has been uh, who I have learned quite a bit over the last couple of years is she actually popped up on one, uh, one of my rock tape courses. And that was uh, uh, Michaela Brees, uh, who uh, she's a, a former uh, British Olympic uh, weightlifter. She's competed in the Beijing and Athens Olympics. Uh, and she's been a Commonwealth Games uh, um, uh, gold medal winner. Um, she popped up in one of my classes, uh, uh, I believe it was a, um, a rock blades instrument assisted uh, massage course. Um, and uh, we got to talking and everything. And we, uh, we decided to put our heads together and come up with a course. Um, so we taught a, uh, it was sort of a hybrid Olympic lifting injury uh, mobility slash uh, rock tape course. And uh, mm-hmm. over a course of a couple of days, we, we taught a course together. Um, she, one of the things about Michaela Breeze that, um, I find is her cues are very simple, but she breaks down the lift in a, a way that uh, a beginner can understand. But not only that, but an advanced lifter is going to take something from her uh, from her as well. And I've uh, she also does uh, three day um, uh, lifting uh, workshops or not workshops, training camps more or less, where you stay at her farm and uh, and oh, wow. teaches you how to lift. Um, and she has everyone from elite lifters to beginning lifters. And she, you start out with an empty bar with, um, um, you know, two and a half kilo plates and she breaks down the lift from the beginning. And I have, um, 
I use her cues when I'm, you know, helping my patients or athletes and, and so on. But she's a really good follow if you if you like to follow her on Instagram or uh, or go to one of her camps. Um, but with the camp I taught with her or the uh, the course we taught with her, we had um, chiropractors, we had uh, osteopaths, physiotherapists, etc. On the course, and we're, we're teaching them how to lift whilst we're teaching them how to manage um, uh, Olympic lifting injuries and avoid injuries and, and, and so on. But I feel it's really important to, to understand the lift and understand the phases of lift and peel things back and um, find out where, where breaking down or where your clients are breaking down and, and, and learn to build that up in a very simple way and just concentrate on one thing at a time. Um, when she was working with me, I gave her a list of things I felt I was um, uh, having difficulty with. And then she just told me, we're just going to work on this. And it, uh, and, and it has helped, helped me immensely. Um, so it's really, I think it's really important to understand the movements. Um, and then you start building, you know, building the skill in, and then you can work on you know, the strength and endurance uh, and, and, and so on. Um, but that's true with any movements, whether it be the gymnastics movement. But um, I think I think in the group, sometimes people get a little bit competitive, but they also see, oh, look, look at this guy over there. Look how much weight he has in the bar. But they don't necessarily see the the, uh, the path they've taken to get to that point. I mean, I've been doing this. So I've been doing CrossFit for seven years now and I'm still there's still things I need to work on and there's still things I'm you know trying to become better at. Um, with the with the rise of CrossFit. Um, it, it really hit at the right time. There was uh, a really, really big Facebook was on the way out. It was a bit before Insta, well, it's before, and video um, uh, really hit that wave. So you could watch it directly. Um, obviously, you used to go to the HQ site, but there was loads on Facebook, especially, and lots on YouTube. I remember when me and Rob were first learning um, Snatch Technique, we were watching grainy videos of Shankle and John North, sort of, you know, on an old, old camera, tiny little gyms. The, the info that has been created now that's out there for everything from mobility to um, these often previously unheard of lifts, snatch, deadlift, uh, sorry, deadlift, snatch, clean and jerk. Um, Olympic weightlifting was something relatively small in the public conscious, I think, comparative to where it is now, certainly. Um, and so the fact that it brought the, um, uh, the, the conscious of the public uh, to these sports and to these movements. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, and yeah, the social media element really added to that. Um, but also, you know, they got to see the CrossFit games and, uh, but then I think Kelly mm. Starrett, um, I mean, he, he has, there's some things I don't agree with, but he, the thing I liked about him is he made people realize that they needed to do something to maintain their bodies. Um, they, he, you know, defined what mobility was and things, maybe some of the tools he used or how he used it might've been, you know, not the best way to approach it, but he made people who did CrossFit realize they needed to do things on an everyday basis to maintain their bodies. So you use the foam rollers and the cross balls and bands and things like that. He has since, I, I give him a lot of credit because he has since evolved a little bit. And he's moved a, w- a little bit away from smashing everything and, and, and that whole bit and uh, creating fear in his patients. And he's, he's brought in a little bit of pain science now. Um, but I think he has helped uh, the general public, you know, may have an understanding of, you know, how you can use a foam roller and how you can use a cross ball and 
how you can do various things in order to move better. Um, so I, I give him, you know, a lot of credit for that. And cross people who do CrossFit, they generally do some, you know, body maintenance. And generally when I'm giving exercises to my patients, my CrossFit patients generally are more compliant with, uh, you know, with doing their, agree. You know, their homework, so to speak. That's really interesting. Yeah. No, I definitely agree about the patients with, Absolutely. you know, I, I work quite closely with a local CrossFit gym as well. And we see a lot, a lot of patients and that, you know, get to the box a couple of minutes early, you know, go through X, Y, and Z exercises as your prehab, your warm up, and you'll find that they'll be much more compliant because they have that structure to their classes. Whereas for the general, if we use the term, you know, Globo gym or kind of if you're just going to a, a David Lloyd down the road, often it's a, oh, I just snatch a quick 30 minute workout or you try and fit a quick, you know, squat session at the gym is often they don't have that time they fit their gym around them whereas yeah. you know a lot of a lot of crossfitters they kind of fit the gym to their lifestyle um or their lifestyle has to fit around the gym yeah and, and, and generally most coaches or the coaches that i've been around they're very good about you know warming up their athletes before class and cooling them down and and, and things like that and using using that time and to educate their their um, athletes a little bit. I mean, when, when I was coaching, I don't coach as much on a regular basis now, um, just because of my time, but, um, I used to always use that time to educate them a little bit about why you're doing this and why we're doing a dynamic warm up, why we're going to be, you know, doing a few little back exercises and things. Um, so, um, the fact that a coach is there does create a little bit more, you know, safety for everybody. Cause you go into David Lloyd, you go into Virgin active and so on. You're not going to get, um, coached on an everyday basis and you're going to be left to left to your own devices. But in terms of like results, uh, and CrossFit, I mean, I've been involved in the fitness industry for nearly you know, for over 30 years now. Um, and I haven't seen something work so well for so many people provided that you know they're you know doing the minimal effective dose not overtraining, eating properly and so on i've seen so many people and such a larger percentage of people this is anecdotal um you know see results um but and but i think it's better as a methodology if you're thinking about you know using it for your entire life as opposed to using it for that competition or using it for you know that that short-term goal. Um, I think people need to, you know, look a little bit more long-term uh, with their use of CrossFit as opposed to uh, necessarily a means sure. to an end. Because um, competitive CrossFit isn't really healthy. Uh, you know, um, um, CrossFit itself, you know, doing, you know, three to five days a week, I think can be quite healthy provided it's coached properly and it's the right dose and the right load and, and so on. But I think when people start doing a lot of competitions and it's happened to me, I went through a couple of years ago where I did a lot of competition and I was um, overtrained and quite fried and, you know, um, just had that excess CNN stress, CNS stress on me. Um, and in, in, if you if you do it too much, it, you, your your body's going to break. Uh, and I think that there's a huge difference between CrossFit as a fitness methodology and CrossFit as a competitive as a as a sport. CrossFit as a sport isn't necessarily healthy for you. Um, a, a CrossFit athlete. I mean, if you see a lot of the top the top top athletes, they don't compete that often. They don't peak that often. 
where you see a local CrossFit competitor and they're doing every competition every weekend. Um, and that, that's quite stressful and harmful, you know, for the body. It's like, uh, if we, if we look at, uh, most other sports, again, you, the thing that you'll see the most is the peak. So you'll see the CrossFit games, for instance, people say, ah, oh, uh, you know, that, that's too much load. The form might not be great, but these are guys right at the top of their range. It's like saying, uh, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that, that last week training for Mr. Olympia. Um, of course, that's not going to be good for most people. It's it's not what people should be aspiring to or trying to emulate. It's the like you said, the day to day for exercise for recreational use, if you like, rather than training as if you're yeah. comp um, uh, every day. Which uh, unfortunately, um, people might see that and then try and emulate that end point when you're very much in the middle or the beginning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And, and what they don't realize is, is now that, you know, these, these people who compete uh, athletes at the CrossFit games, yes, yeah, that yeah. is their job. Um, so that is the only thing they're doing. So yeah, they don't have another job. They don't uh, necessarily have all these other things going on. Like an average person, you know, have kids and, you know, they might be going to school or, 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 or so on that we have an average person is going to have excess stress in their life. And then if you're going to throw on there, the body's not going to be able to handle that. Um, and that, that's where some of the online programming and things can, can be an issue because the, these programs are designed for people where CrossFit is their job or an online programming isn't going to be specialized, personalized mm-hmm. for them. Um, and one of the aspects, I mean, I've discussed this with um, Tom, the owner of um, uh, Gain Fitness quite a bit, and what, where he struggles at as a uh, gym owner is an ideal situation. He would be able to uh, appropriately periodize everything throughout the week and have off days and all that. But you have people coming in on different schedules and things like that. And um, just because there's a wad in every day doesn't necessarily mean they have to work out every day. Um, and, you know, people, you know, might work out Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, but then there's some people who feel they need to do something every day and that overtraining and things, um, you know, the, you know drop a hint, well, maybe you shouldn't be working out today or you just, our, our biggest pet peeve is when we see somebody do a competition and this happens to new CrossFitters all the time and we, we kind of laugh at it. Um, they'll do a competition on Sunday and then they're in on Monday training and we always have to have a little talk with them like you know do you think this is you know really you know, should be you should be training today and they, they always say the same thing they always say um, oh well, I feel really good today and all that and you know generally they're on that high from you know that competition and everything and there's this great need to get better but uh, Usually what happens a week or two later, they either end up hurt or sick, which, uh, which is, uh, but sometimes you have to, unfortunately, you can't control everything they do and you have to almost let them make that mistake or, or the new member who feels the need to go on a online programming because they feel that if they just work hard enough, they'll make it to the games. They don't realize that people that make it to the games now are like our athletes. Uh, they, and an athlete is, an elite athlete is going to have that extra something extra special you know to get them you know you know to that point yes hard work's important but they have that little bit you know might be that anaerobic capacity or aerobic capacity or 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 so on but 
the, the people coming to the sports are are true athletes now. It's not just, you know, if, if you look back at the old videos of uh, the CrossFit games, they didn't move well. They didn't, you know, these weren't necessarily athletes. These were just some people who, you know, there was a, it was a small talent pool back then. Now there's a big mm-hmm. talent pool. So it's it, so people who get to the CrossFit games or win the CrossFit games aren't by accident. Plus then you throw in, you know, things like performance enhancing drugs and that's, that's a whole other um, aspect to you know competitive crossfit i mean you wouldn't wake up tomorrow and uh, take up running and go to the olympics that's not how it works you know you you know it's you have to see starting crossfit like you'd yeah. start a couch to 5k um which is a good analogy for you know kind of starting yeah. you know a lot of gyms run the you know kind of they call them on-ramp courses or beginner courses and you compete this yeah. six-week program which is the very basic scratch the surface fundamentals but a lot of people think, well, I know how to bench press. I know how to run. I can do this and, you know, jump in at the deep end. And yeah. I think a lot of gym owners then kind of feel that, oh, well, we, we kind of want members. We don't want to have to force them to go through this, you know, kind of funnel to start with when we just want, you know, members for our gym. And I can so understand how that, you know, very easily falls into that trap of let's just get everyone doing a wad straight away. Yeah. And yeah, at, yeah, at the beginning of exercise as well, if you're a, a, a new exerciser, there is a fairly linear relationship between effort in and um, uh, reaction out. So if you go to the gym once compared to twice a week, twice a week, you're going to get twice as better. But there is, of course, a ceiling on that that mm-hmm. stress, that strain, that load you put on the body. So there, it would it almost mm-hmm. seem logical, oh, well, I'll go for a fifth day because then that's, that's even better. But actually, there is that limiting returns. Um, there is that stage when you're going to then drop out of your optimal recovery, which for someone who's not done that before and they, they're seeing this positive, return every time they double up on their efforts it would be weird that well i've gone to the gym twice a day for the last three weeks and then they become injured you know it, it yeah. would seem like a, an easy equation but unfortunately it is not i always tell people a a, a crossfit workout's always going to feel the same mm-hmm. generally you know you'll you know you definitely feel um the lack of a better word fuck that words um but the how long you feel fucked afterwards changes as you get in you know be, better condition. Um, you just you know, eventually your body will will recover quicker. Um, but the biggest thing is 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 you begin to especially as you begin to move better, um, you overall you know will feel better and it'll carry over to the rest of your life. Um, I I took up CrossFit when I was. 40, 41, I think, 41 years old. And, um, you know, even though I had been in the gym for, you know, quite a long time, um, I was, uh, you know, I, I was used to bodybuilding, very controlled movements and being exposed to very explosive movements like Olympic lifting. That was totally foreign to me. Doing a kipping pull-up or something like that, that was something very foreign to me. Um, but it took time to, to get the, you know, the, the, the mobility and the stability and the neurological control in order to, you know, uh, uh, to, to move better. And I still have my, uh, you know, uh, deficiencies, but um, I definitely move a lot better than when I started. For those of you listening, uh, do take a look at Rob's Insta. Um, this dude doesn't look a day north of 35. Uh, <laughs> no, so, uh, yeah, you won't believe those figures when you check them out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Thank let's you. bring it to kind of CrossFit injuries per se. I mean, there's kind of a, a standing joke yeah. within the chiropractic, physical therapy, physiotherapy, osteopathy kind of profession that, you know, CrossFit's the best thing that's happened to them, you know, since kind of their, <laughs> their founding. And 
when we look at the data, we know that's not true. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of, there's a lot of yeah. fail type videos on YouTube of people failing all sorts of Olympic lifts and stuff. And obviously that's a very small minority. Um, but it does have mm-hmm. this kind of, unfortunately, bad name, which is, you know, maybe that's down to lack of coaching. Maybe it's down to people just trying things at home and calling it CrossFit. Yeah, who, who knows? Um, but in your experience, you know, do you think that there is, you know, a higher element of injuries in CrossFit than other sports, um, you know, kind of from what you see? Um, you know, anecdotally, uh, no. And the, what the research so far shows that it's really not that different than any other sport on its own. Um, the different elements of CrossFit, you know, there, there's things like running, there's there's weightlifting, powerlifting, Olympic lifting, there's a gymnastics element. The the incidence of injury is no different than those sports on their own. Um, um, there's definitely less injuries when compared to uh, the um, the contact sports. So things like, you know, basketball, football, uh, slash American football, so on. Contact sports and collision sports are going to have more, more, more injuries. Um, the uh, sort of the paradox there, I had listened, this thing was about a year ago, there was a podcast with Stuart McGill was on the uh, Mind Muscle Project, uh, which is actually a very good CrossFit podcast. And he was discussing CrossFit injuries. And he was saying where the paradox lies in CrossFit is there's certain movements like the the power lifts and the Olympic lifts, um, where your, your lower back needs to be very stable. Um, and then there's gymnastics movements where your your back needs to be very mobile um and he said that's where the paradox lies because sometimes you get those things in the same workout so you might get deadlifts and toes the bar together or you might get like a you know multiple reps of of, of power snatch with a handstand press up or something like that so there's certain elements and sometimes certain things together, you know, uh, will, will fight each other uh, a, a little bit. Um, Stuart McGill likes to talk. He says the two most dangerous movements in his opinion in CrossFit are toes to bar and um, uh, GHD sit-ups, <clears throat> mainly because those are those movements uh, require uh, hyperextension and hyperflexion in the same movements. Can you explain um, those two so, exercises? Yeah, so so toes to bar requires uh, hanging from a bar, and uh, and it, it requires the kipping movement. So the head through, uh, back hyperextended all the way to the head back, and then hyperflexion whilst you're kicking the bar. Um, so you it really requires a lot of glenohumeral uh, 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 shoulder mobility, um, but scap stability but then also low back uh, stability and mobility at the same time. So you're working to extreme. So your hyperextension on the way up GHD sit-ups is sort of like a Roman chair. So you lock your feet in you're horizontal, but then you're coming back, you're extending uh, uh, your, your torso and then coming up into a full sit-up. So he feels like those two movements are the most potentially the most dangerous. I, I don't do like GHD sit-ups that often. Um, I do toes to bar, but um, but then when you combine it with something like a deadlift or something like that, that's where some of the you know problems lies. Or too much load, 
or things under fatigue are, are the, the other ends of the spectrum. So toward the end of the wad, when, when your form begins to break down and things like that, that's where things happen. Uh, you know, bad things happen, so to speak. Um, I always discuss with, with my patients uh, the importance of, you know, ribs uh, over the pelvis um, and um, avoiding hyperextension uh, to the lower back. Um, that's where thoracic extension becomes very important because if you're not able to extend in your thoracic spine, then you're going to, uh, you're going to borrow movement from the lumbar spine. That's where, you know, things like you get the, you know, the, the lower back fatigue during, you know, hyper uh, flexion movements and, and things like that. Um, so that's, I think, where some of the problems lies is, is as far as if, if you're lacking, you know, mobility or stability or control, that's going to put strain on the tissues and then you'll end up, you know, potentially with an injury. Um, but I think overall, compared to other things, the fact that it's coached, there isn't contact. Um, overall, it's, it's relatively safe. But in our profession, I think... Um, and uh, you'll probably agree with this is I think that we've uh, our profession, like let's say somebody comes in and says, Oh, well, I, I was just uh, deadlifting and my back hurts afterwards. Uh, sometimes our professionals say, Oh, don't do, don't do deadlifts. That's a very dangerous <laughs> movement. Um, I think that load, load is very important in, or, in order to keeping uh, a, a healthy spine. Um, and when we tell somebody to stop doing something, that's when that fear avoidance behavior comes in and they become afraid of movements. Um, and sometimes, uh, you know, personal trainers are guilty of this. CrossFit coaches are guilty of this. If somebody's hurting, you know, certain exercise, oh, you don't want to dead, deadlift or you don't want to, you know, press overhead or, you know, you shouldn't do snatches because your shoulder hurts and so on. Um, so I, I, I have come a long way since I've started CrossFit in terms of learning when I'm um, creating fear in my patients or creating threat in my patients. And the biggest thing I've learned from uh, CrossFit over the years has been the body isn't necessary. Our bodies aren't fragile um, and that there isn't a necessarily a bad movement. Um, it's just, um, you know, being able to have the skill um, and the strength and the endurance in order to, to perform that movement. I love that, Rob. That's our, uh, that's our soundbite for the whole episode right there. Your body is not fragile because you've hurt yourself deadlifting does not mean you should never deadlift once again. Um, if anything, it just means you need to get better at it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So just to put it into perspective in terms of injuries, I had, a, I had a look at the data as well in terms of you know how common injuries are. And I know you mentioned basketball as well. So to to put it in perspective, uh, you know, running and basketball are the two you know highest rated injury sports. So you know those two sports, if you do them, you're more likely to have an injury than than most other kind of sports. And I think this excludes extreme sports, you know, kind of base jumping and things like that as well. But for the majority of sports, I've competed a lot. Um, so so and so per thousand hours spent doing this particular sport you're if you play basketball you have a 13 percent chance of having a week off injured running you have an eight percent chance of having a week off injured injured if you drop that down to crossfit and and cycling the, the numbers are pretty similar so crossfit versus cycling um you know crossfit looking at 2.1 to 3.1 kind of a range of of percentage chance of having an injury cycling 2.2 um so you know overall in terms of the grand scale of in sports 
it's not a high risk injury sport. Um, I've never heard anyone say don't run, it's dangerous. Um, but I have heard a lot of people say don't do CrossFit, it's dangerous. Um, so the global picture doesn't kind of match the the memes that go around on Facebook saying don't do chiropractic, <laughs> don't don't do don't do CrossFit. Uh, I think that's part yeah. of the the issue as well is that the the CrossFit injuries are often a rather spectacular because they're they're mid exercise often. Um, and also they're, mm -hmm. they are often filmed. So there's, um, <laughs> uh, you know, people don't generally film themselves running. You don't sit there and watch a YouTube video of just a face going up and down. Um, basketball, unless you're <laughs> quite a high level, that's unlikely to be filmed. Um, uh, what else we've got? Cycling, uh, football. Yeah, apparently that's filmed off. Um, but I mean, with CrossFit, people do often film their lifts mostly from a, a training point of view you know uh, to be able to watch mm -hmm. that bar path is really really important um mm -hmm. and most boxes most crossfit gyms as we briefly mentioned uh, earlier don't tend to have lots of mirrors around so actually using that kind of um uh that kind of uh, aid of filming yourself is really handy for lifts so unfortunately a lot of these mm -hmm. injuries are captured uh, captured on film for all to see um uh, yeah, I, I would say I see loads more runners day to day in the clinic comparative to uh, any other weightlifting. And of course, if you're in a gym and you you ping a bicep, uh, doing a bicep curl, it's not that spectacular. Who'd want to watch it? But if you do it halfway through a kipping pull up and you end up at the other side of the gym, people are going to click on that link. Yeah, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what, what, one of the that I'm going to bring up, uh, you, you brought up basketball. Um, um, Tom, Tom Hood, the owner of uh, Gain Fitness, uh, he actually used to be an ex-professional basketball player. And one of the reasons why he stopped playing basketball was, was uh, the myriad of injuries, you know, that he, that he had over the years. And, and he, uh, he always loved training in the gym and, and he, you know, he loved CrossFit. But due to his basketball career, that has, you know, affected him, you know, in terms of doing CrossFit was, was the past injuries from basketball you know, as far as, you know, knee and ankle injuries and, and, and things like that. Um, but, but competitive sports or contact sports, whether it be rugby, football, basketball, and so on, those have a, a, a different set of risks to them. At the CrossFit, yeah. nobody's going to be tackling you in the middle of a snap field. Is, is everything is very sagittal plane. Um, you, we don't use multiple planes of movement and things as there's, there's not much rotation involved um, in, in CrossFit. Everything's very, you know, uh, up and down flexion mm. extension and, and and so on and because you're and it's not as you know because you're not reacting during a workout it, it's it's not necessarily um you know you don't get as much transverse you know plane stimulus so when i'm working with uh, a, a patient i want to you know i spend a lot of time working in that transverse plane and making sure they're able to at least stabilize uh, in in a transverse and frontal plane because that's where problems lie is is, is when, when you leak into those um into those those planes of movement with you know rotation abduction and things like that and uh, a lot of life lives in those those uh those planes of movement there rob um we uh, yeah unfortunately if you're halfway through sainsbury's and you bend down to pick up a can you're going to move slightly laterally um and that's where injuries often yeah. tend to occur um i like that so bringing in deficits that they're not necessarily working whilst in the gym to help prevent any kind or at least bolster um uh uh, other areas brilliant um okay so um 
if we look at athletes with back pain, so let's talk about uh, where someone walks into your office, crawls into your office. Um, uh, if we go for the athlete first off, as, we, as we're talking about CrossFit here, um, for those who have back pain, uh, we won't go into the individual methods of gaining back pain. Um, how would you work with them differently apart from those, those additional transverse movements uh, compared to the average person off the street, compared to the non-active CrossFitter? I actually wouldn't work with him that much differently. Um, first, um, I mean, generally that, you know, what walks into a chiropractor's office or osteopath's office and so on. Generally, rarely do we, like most people who come into our office are, are usually dealing with a chronic injury, something they've had for a period of time and might have, might have recently gotten worse um, or they've just had this pain for a long period of time. Um, so, the, the first thing um, I want to uh, get them to understand why they're in pain. Um, when I first started uh, practicing in a chiropractor, everything was tissue based. Uh, you know, we had the, you know, the herniated discs, the, the fat strings, SI uh, sprain strain and so on. And it was all about the tissues, um, was, you know, trigger points and sciatica and, and, and everything. But if, if the tissue is healed and, there is still pain. Um, everything's, it, it's the brain that's feeling the pain as opposed to necessarily the tissues. They're experiencing the pain in the lower back, but that pain in their lower back is a, uh, ex, uh, a perception uh, of the brain. So uh, no matter what my patients um, I'm dealing with, I'm going to get them to understand what that pain is and why that's happened. I want to, uh, to bring, bring the point up again, I want them to understand that, that they're not fragile. Um, this isn't just something that, that just happened to them. It's just somewhere along the line um, that it, it has, this pain has, uh, uh, your, your brain has felt threat. Um, so no matter if it's an athlete, going to uh, get them to understand that, expose them to the movement that they're afraid of. Um, so. One of, the, one of the reasons why people are in chronic pain are because they, at some time they have limited, let's say they were doing a deadlift, they, they pick that bar up and then it's painful. So they avoided anything else picking something up off the floor. So I'm gradually gonna expose them to taking it up off the floor. Um, whilst I'm, you know, of course I'm gonna do you know, some manual therapy, whether it be some soft tissue work, um, manipulation, you know, it might be taping, might be cupping, you know, so on. Um, that all I'm trying to do with the manual therapy is, is, and then I'm going to use that sensory input and show that they can move a little bit farther, but then we're going to use that movement. Um, the where the difference between an athlete and, and an average person is that athlete might, might have, you know, the fact that they can't pick that weight up off the floor. They, that is something that they're experiencing uh, psychologically, uh, that psychological loss from not being able to perform what they want. Uh, that activity that they want to do. Whereas an average person, it might be, you know, uh, playing with their kids or getting up the stairs or being able to work. So I think different, but I think the, the process is, is the same. Um, I feel that the same things that work with athletes and treating them will work with um, uh the average person. Um, but a lot of average people don't feel that they need the level of care that, a, that an athlete gets. Um, 
So mm. I wouldn't say they're that different. It's just the activity that I'm going to expose them to might be different. Um, so to speak. Yes. I think that makes sense. Um, what if I uh, sort of reverse that then, Rob? So if we've got someone uh, who's an everyday person, uh, they, they, they've got a fair level activity, mm -hmm. but they're not a regular gym goer, and they've got back pain. Once you've mm -hmm. got them out of pain, let's say, or uh, once you're aiming to get them out of pain, would you then suggest CrossFit? Do you suggest CrossFit to people who have back pain? Um, I, is it, I is think it, 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 it is safe, um, as long as uh, you're addressing the you know, mobility and stability issues that, you know, contributed to the pain in the first place. So again, it's going to be that gradual exposure to movement. Um, typically, I will, um, I mean, since my office is right off the floor, sometimes I'll get the average person, they'll, you know, they, they've come in uh, with an injury, they've gotten better, and they see what's going out on the floor every day. Um, and then they started asking me, I, I try not to push them into CrossFit, but if they, if they get interested in it, um, I will, um, you know, have a meet with the coaches and I have dialogue with the coaches as far as, you know, how to ease them into it and things like that to that. And it's going to be important that they start off slow. Um, they get, you know, coached properly. And so, uh, I think it's really important if a chiropractor, any uh, working with people who do CrossFit or want to do CrossFit, that it's important that you understand what CrossFit is, but then also that you have dialogue with the local coaches as well, where you can feel comfortable bringing them into that environment. I'm fortunate that I have good dialogue with the coaches. And I, um, and if somebody has an issue that they're dealing with, I let them know. And, and you know, they scale things appropriately toward that uh, you know, toward that member. Um, so I don't have, um, I, I have, uh, recommended, uh, patients, uh, you know, do CrossFit, but I always recommend them that they do exercise and they load. And, um, you know, I'm, I don't want our profession to be afraid of the barbell. Um, load, is, I think is, is very good. And the load brings in that, that resiliency. I mean, I've been lifting weights for about 30 years and I know that that has been a large reason why I have stayed, uh, you know, relatively injury free. I've had my injuries, but I've never avoided loading my body. I I've modified things, but I've never avoided loading my body. And I think that over the years, that's what made me so you know, resilient, um, you know, to everything. Mm -hmm. um, for some reason, we're afraid of weights. Uh, and you know, they always say, you know, go, go for a nice walk or go for a swim when swimming swimming's good it's a good form of exercise but swimming you don't have the load on the, on the musculoskeletal system um, so i think we as a profession um, we need to not uh, make people afraid of lifting something off the floor or putting something on their back and lifting it because these are just very natural things that we're designed to do mm. i think that's got to be one of the, the greatest legacies that crossfit has brought in is that We've got um, uh, women, mums, grandmas, uh, uh, everyone is touching a barbell, whereas previously that was in a corner of the gym. They may not have ventured. It was a scary thing. Deadlifting was something for um, uh, big weighty men, not for normal people or especially our 
And I mean, to, ha to have this, this is it now to have people who will consider themselves not even athletes, but, you know, everyday active people rocking 110 um, uh, K deadlifts. This is fantastic. This is great for prep, for life, for getting things out the loft, for picking things out the car, uh, playing mm. with grandkids, this sort of stuff. That That's going to be a good spine right there. That's what I, I get excited about. Yeah. I mean, when I first took... Um, it's, it's expanding. So about five years ago, I, t I took the CrossFit Level 1 course. Mm. And um, I approached... I, I looked at that course through three different lenses, so to speak. And of course, I looked at it through the fact that I did CrossFit and I wanted to learn as much about it and so on. I, I enjoyed CrossFit. My, my other lens was... Um, from you know what I know about exercise physiology and anatomy and biomechanics and so on, I looked at it from, from that perspective. But then I also looked at it from a, a chiropractic perspective and would I want my patients to do CrossFit. And the course itself over two days out of, I mean, granted, I had a four-year degree in exercise physiology, um, but we that course didn't have that many practical elements to it. Um, the, the whole weekend of uh, CrossFit level one, you're learning the methodology and the science behind it, but you're also, you know, learning the practical elements in terms of teaching a snatch and teaching a clean and jerk and learning the difference between a strict press, a push press and a push jerk and a split jerk and so on. Um, but the practical element was, um, you know, was huge compared to many other courses, you know, that I've, I've had over the years. Um, and it, and, from exercise physiolo physiological perspective, it makes sense. From chiropractic perspective, from a scientific perspective, it makes sense. I think where the uh, the bad press comes from is is when you have those bad coaches or people who are doing it uncoached or, or going on the online programs without having you know the knowledge, but. And, and the right dose and the right load and et cetera, I, I think it's extremely, you know, beneficial. And it is building uh, building a person in a lot of different things. I mean, I would have never thought that I'd be able to do handstand press-ups and handstands and muscle-ups and, you know, things like that. And um, provided that you're taking the right steps, um, it, I think it's, you know, it, it's, it's a great course, but I do think somebody needs a for a coach needs to fortify themselves with that extra knowledge of anatomy and physiology and, mm -hmm. um, and, and, and biomechanics in order to be an effective coach. Well, with that, if so, so let's talk to the coaches out there quickly, Rob. Um, if you are a coach and you do have one of your athletes who reports, uh, let, let's say lower back pain, who reports, you know, your, your classic mechanical lower back pain, um, what sort of steps should they take in your view? I would, I would probably recommend every coach be uh, to align themselves with whether it be a chiropractor, physio, or an osteopath, somebody who understands CrossFit. So somebody who you can uh, trust to refer them, and they're going to refer them back to you. Uh, where some of the problems lie, I think, is when a CrossFit coach just might say, oh, go see a physio, and the physio knows not anything about, uh, or a chiropractor, or osteopath knows nothing about up losing that member um, so um, find somebody who you can trust and who you can have an open dialogue with and uh, and also try to learn from from that that professional as far as you know how to approach but uh, how to approach somebody with back pain but then also learn the 
how to uh, keep them involved and keep uh, learn how to scale in class. I think um, a poor coach um, is going to uh, make that person who's injured alienated to come back to class. And you don't want them to necessarily be frustrated that they can't do anything. There's always going to be a movement. Uh, there's always going to be a load or something that's going to be okay for them generally. And then of course there's extreme cases, but learn, you know, you might just have to modify things. So maybe if they can't do that deadlift off the floor initially, you know, put it up on blocks and, you know, slowly build that range of motion back into it. And when let's say we're on, you know, a couple blocks and they're doing a deadlift or a clean, maybe drop the block down, you know, go to the next level and be able to pull from a, a slightly different place um, until they're able to pull, pull that off the floor or work with that range of motion that they're able to own before they, uh, before they can progress. Um, so, you know, you know, doing bench squats, uh, uh, um, you know, uh, you know, changing the load or let's say back squats pr- troublesome for them, have them do uh, a, a front squat. So just learn to scale things, you know, appropriately. I think it's really important to keep them involved and then keep some type of load on them. And, and I feel there can bounce back a lot quicker. I don't believe in peaks and valleys where you tell somebody, oh, don't come to class for a couple of weeks and then throw them back in the class because then you end up in these peaks and valleys and they're going to, you know, that ends up being a vicious cycle as well. Always, yeah, just keep, and then keep them involved from a social perspective and don't, uh, don't put them in a corner doing something, you know, keep them involved with everybody else so that they can get the encouragement and feel like they're, they're part of the group and they're not, you know, um, you know, kicked out of the group just because they have an injury. Um, so, but the biggest thing I think is, is like just not freaking out over the injury and creating that fear because some coaches can create that fear um, in, in their athletes, especially sometimes you get a coach who has had a, a pretty bad back injury and had a rough time with it. Sharing that how bad that back injury with them and that that worst case scenario isn't necessarily good from a uh, uh, psychosocial aspect um, mm. of, of of the injury. Um, so um, yeah, just just learn, but and then also learning about the injuries as well. Um, I think I have a knowledge of the anatomy. Uh, I think a knowledge of injuries makes those injuries a little bit less scary to deal with sometimes coaches just because they feel they don't have the knowledge might not uh, feel comfortable you know training or coaching an athlete who, who is experiencing these things um so rob uh, i'm gonna uh, bring this uh, around so we've got uh, people who are listening by now are either loving crossfit even more or they're frothing at the gills to try and get in mm-hmm. what should someone look for uh, in a good CrossFit box, in a good CrossFit gym, what, what are we looking out for? Any telltale signs? So the w- with a uh, good CrossFit gym, um, the most important thing is, uh, you know, being able to sit down with the coaches before you join, um, you know, finding out, uh, you know, what you want from the, uh, you know, from CrossFit. Learning, you know, if they've had, you know, them asking if you have any injuries or any, uh, uh, you know, past medical history, um, a making sure they have an on-ramp program, some type of uh, 
education process, uh, you know, whether it is uh, over a few sessions or over a few weeks um, to, um, you know, break you in and, and, and teach you the myths. Uh, I would be wary of any box who, um, who uh, you know, doesn't have that and doesn't have that on-ramp uh, fundamentals program with the cross uh, with, um, uh, you know, with, with their box uh, and so on. Um, and yeah, just, and then talk to members and, and, and find out what their experience is. Um, so the big thing I would say is just, you meet with the coach and tell them what they want, you know, what you want and, you know, where you're at and where you want to go. And, um, that, you know, that's really important. Um, class sizes, make sure the class sizes aren't, aren't too large. Um, look for, uh, coaches that, um, you know, have, you know, uh, you know, an extensive background in terms of, you know, might be certifications, might be um, education uh, and so on. Um, our box has a, you know, quite a wide range of coaches. We have our coaches in gymnastics. We have, um, um, you know, lifting um, and we have you know, extensive experience. And, and, and it's not always that, you know, great crossfitter, fire breather, that's the best coach. Sometimes, you know, it's the, you know, the average person who's just very good at, at teaching CrossFit. Um, so you'll like, generally you'll know when, you know, when, when you walk in the box, if this is a place you want to be. And, um, um, at, at our box, um, we also, our coaches don't necessarily, um, it's not all about the leaderboard and we actually don't have leaderboards during classes and things like that. Not that that's a bad thing, but they scale every uh, workout toward that each individual person. They'll walk around the room uh, every class and saying, well, I want you to use 50 kilos. I want you to use 40 kilos. I want you to do this movement instead of that movement. Mm -hmm. um, so the coaches need to have that knowledge of every member. Um, is, is really important. And watching a class, you can really tell if, if that coach is engaging with everybody in the room. Um, so, um, yeah, so it's just, it's, it's, it really is all about, all about the coaches. And sometimes the, the newest, shiniest facility isn't always the best facility and they don't always have the best coach. Just, just look for that. I mean, even though we have a very large box, we keep number sizes down in class and things like that. So, it's, yeah, it's just, you know, a comp combination of things, um, really. Um, generally, bad coaches usually don't last too long in, in, uh, in, in CrossFit or boxes don't last too long. Unfortunately, due to COVID, we might see, you know, quite a few boxes, uh, you know, mm -hmm. go under. And, um, and sometimes that's going to be, you know, the people who, who aren't as good at, you know, coaching CrossFit, um, really. Yeah. Okay. So inquire about that onboarding or that fundamentals process. Yeah. on ramping uh class sizes and um yeah hit up those instructors those coaches and um see what further qualifications they've got yeah fantastic sounds good rob okay um okay rob we're gonna go for a bit of a quick fire because we are nearing the end of our uh, session today we'll let you get on with your sunday um so i think the first thing we've got to ask is rob what are your biggest myths about crossfit the biggest myth is that it's going to hurt you it's oh, I like that. Yeah, it's not going to hurt you if done properly. Absolutely. Another sound right there. That's a proper nugget there. Rob. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, biggest mistakes that most athletes make? Too much too soon. Too much too soon. I like it. Uh, what, are you, what gets you most excited about CrossFit? 
probably the uh, besides the barbell uh the social aspect of it and just being in a in a class with a, you know, a diverse group of people i love it um so you've got 60 seconds of time what's a great hack or advice or tip or movement that you can give to an athlete or the average person with back with back pain they've got 60 seconds to do something what would you give them i would oh maybe a little bit longer than 60 seconds but i would recommend the and that is a side plank bird dog and uh what's the other one i'm blanking curl up curl up yes curl up curl up curl up side plank i was under pressure bird dog yeah that's the and Stuart McGill's three for uh, for back stability. Um, Squat University has a great video on that. Um, so if you look on YouTube, absolutely fantastic. Uh, Stuart McGill coming on this podcast soon. Um, well, I figure if I say it, Rob, it might happen. So let's say it now. Yes, he'll be coming on this podcast soon. Stuart McGill, episode two hundred fifty-nine. <laughs> uh, yes, can't wait. <laughs> Okay, thank you. Fantastic. Uh, amazing answers there, Rob. Amazing answers. Um, uh, Rob Evan, anything to add for the end of today? No, I think that about sums up. It's a really, really good look at CrossFit from, as you said, your kind of three lenses with your exercise physiology background, your chiropractic background, and also as a coach and competitor. So you've coming it from all angles. CrossFit is really hard to define um, and you've done a really, really good job of being able to define it. And I think that people listening to it hopefully have a good understanding, want to get involved in a bit of CrossFit. Uh, Rob C, where can we find you? If we want to contact you, if we want to uh, see what you're up to, where can we find you? Yeah, you can find me uh, gainrecovery.co.uk. That's for my practice. Um, And I'm at rock.rob. You can drop me uh, and make sure you spell that correctly because there's a dodgy rock.rob somewhere. Um, So (laughs) R-O-C-K-D-O-C-Rob, R-O-B. Uh, on Instagram, and you can drop me a, a direct message if you have any questions. You could also uh, uh, find me on various rock tape courses. Uh, instrument, uh, we do, I do rock blades, uh, rock pods, uh, taping courses, and so on. I'm surprised that it, was, it hasn't even come up. But. I was going to say, how have we got a whole podcast talking about Cairo CrossFit? We've not even touched on rock tape. That yeah, might have to be a separate podcast. That might be a separate itself, one. Yeah, 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 definitely. So, yeah, but um, yeah, so. Yeah, I teach various courses for them, so you could always find me on one of those courses. Fantastic. Um, uh, Marvellous. So, guys, that was the CrossFit episode with the fantastic Rob Crowley. Um, If you check him out over... Was was it Gain Fitness? And Gain Recovery is his practice. Fantastic. Uh, Rob, you've been absolutely amazing today. What a great, uh, a great chat about CrossFit. If we can preempt and let's say, let's have you back on to talk about rock tape uh, and taping as a general. That'd be fantastic. Awesome. Let's get it in. Rob Bevan, if, if you're there. <laughs> I'm here. My audio has been a bit rubbish, but <laughs> I've, got it. I've got you. Thanks very much for joining us, Rob. Yeah. Speak soon. I hope you've got a bit. You, you can catch us on the download. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool. <laughs> Brilliant. Right. Cheers, Rob. Take Thank care. you very right. much. Cheers, Cheers guys. Cheers, guys. See you next